Welcome to the Profit First REI podcast, where real estate investors master financial management, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, and learn to be profitable from day one. Now for your host, David Richter. Hey everyone, it's David Richter again here on the Profit First for Real Estate Investors podcast. I have a special guest today, TJ Cozen here, and we are going to be talking about his real estate investing journey, uh, the journey through his real estate finances, and just a lot of different things too. Actually, his journey of how to learn to walk again. And it's definitely going to be a unique thing that we talk about and uh, today on this episode, but just a lot of life lessons that TJ's learned. Then he's actively wholesaling, wholetailing, flipping. He's got a great business, a great team. I've had the privilege of being a part of a mastermind with him and has seen, I've seen his operations person and he's got great people around him too. So TJ, great to have you on the uh, podcast today. And if you just want to say hey to everyone. Oh, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me, David. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's have a conversation about real estate and business, right? Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. So let's just start at the very beginning. So what got you started in real estate? Oh, man. Well, I was doing loans in 2005 and uh, I saw how dumb the residential loaning industry was. So I thought the most sensible thing to do would be to go get into commercial real estate and buy a bunch of apartments out of state uh, <laughs> at the age of, I think we contracted 24 um, yeah. So anyway, so that seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, as it turns out, you buy stuff in 2006, it's a little, little market top ish. So there's a lot of kind of life lessons that went along with that. Um, but once you learn a couple of those lessons, you kind of figure, you know, already learned all the hard stuff. Let's, uh, let's keep going because we need to justify it. We need to, you know, maybe recoup a little bit of money we lost too at the same time. Right. Awesome. So tell about your real estate journey then, like where you were then and where, how you built yourself to where we are now and while we're recording oh, yeah. this 2021. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, so my first deal, actually, it's kind of, kind of crazy. My first deal at 24, we contracted 112 apartment units in Memphis, Tennessee. Now I'm from San Diego. So, uh, you know, we did a lot of research, different markets, kind of funny. I live in Dallas now. So Dallas is one of the markets that we did look at and it took me a while to get to Dallas. We moved out here seven years ago. So I think I maybe picked the wrong one. I don't know. Anyway, so contracted 112 apartment units. Uh, when we got them, they're about 10 to 15% occupied, somewhere in there, a distressed, but in a subdivision uh, kind of submarket that made a lot of sense. Um, when we bought, we were definitely kind of the crappiest property in the area, in an area that otherwise was pretty decent. Uh, it's one of those, you know, houses we're selling for 80, 90, 100 grand kind of neighborhoods. Um, working class, and you know, you don't get 100 units being distressed without having some fundamental issues. So, uh, I don't know, it kind of turned into a big headache, I guess, but it was fun. We originally hired a property management company. I think we hired two and we fired both of them. I think we tried to hire a third one, but they weren't any good either. So basically I kind of went back there and just took charge of the project, um, hired our own managers, hired our own staff, hired our own subcontractors. So the kind of rough numbers when we bought, I think we bought at, uh, about 800 grand. So 800 divided by 112. Yeah, somewhere in there is about 7,500, 8,000 8, a unit. Uh, our estimated capitalization at the time was about 12. So we were expecting to be in about 20. Um, and our next like cheapest comp was about 28 to 30 grand a unit, somewhere in that neighborhood. So on the surface, you know, it seemed like it made a lot of sense. Um, and the only thing, so, I mean, long story short, I guess there's all kinds of fun stories about going through the process. But the only thing that really wasn't successful on it was when the economy just 
crashed on everyone. Um, we, we got caught in some collateral damage. So we took kind of the, actually, we took kind of the same mindset in terms of just being proactive and managing, managing the upside, managing the contractors, managing the lease up in the project. Took the same proactive mindset on the, on the downside too. And, you know, lost a lot of money, but didn't get, didn't get hurt, didn't get sued, didn't have anything crazy happen. Um, mostly because we were, again, proactive then on the downside, dealing with, dealing with discussing lenders, talking about options, uh, and really, really kind of just taking forefront. That was really interesting. We, my second property was 98 units, uh, about two and a half miles from the same one, a little bit more occupied, about 60% occupied. Not a whole lot of deferred maintenance, just not managed well. So that one, that one we actually bought, refinanced with a uh, kind of a conventional um, alt lender that was big in that kind of C-ish space. So we refied that property and then uh, held it for a couple of years, cash flowed really well, stabilized the management, got our occupancy up. I think our peak occupancy was in the like 92, 95% range um, of available units on both properties. So, you know, the, the first one we'd, uh, you know, fix 10 units, we'd, you know, get nine of them rented pretty quick out of those. Maybe we'd have, you know, one or two tenants that we'd have to have some turnover with, but it was pretty well on track. Um, second property, we ended up actually short sailing, unfortunately in 2010, 11, I think. And it's really interesting because a lot of folks don't really know how like commercial short sales work. We had the bank asking us like, Hey, what do you want to do? So we just told them everything and said, well, I mean, we're kind of screwed because our, uh, our occupancies dropped, our gross income collections have gone down about 30% and, you know, we're kind of screwed. So we asked them, well, what do you want us to do? And they said, well, come to us with a proposal on what you want to do. Like I always thought the bank was kind of in control in that situation, but they were really looking to us to kind of take lead on what the options were. So what we said was, you know, obviously we're going to need a short sale or it's going to get foreclosed, but we don't want to have the asset be just worth less and we don't want to walk away from our responsibilities because we were we had um you know personal guarantees all that good stuff so we said you know let's let's short sell it we'll keep managing and operating it as is we'll keep paying the expenses we'll keep paying the um you know managing salaries and maintenance salaries so the asset doesn't deteriorate and then we'll have our broker you know put it on the market he's good at marketing um see what happens and that's how we avoided basically that proactive mindset that's kind of carried on i guess now the past 15 years that's how we avoided a, a deficiency judgment from the short sale on that property. And it's kind of how we just approach business in general is when we see problems, a lot of people look at it as a learning experience. We, we don't like learning experiences because it means that I did something wrong. Now they're inevitable in business, but we look at it as an opportunity to really uh, meet, the, meet the problem head on and address it, address it fully and just uh, be proactive in our approach to things. I, sometimes it's kind of tough. I guess sometimes people think uh, us the light at the end of the tunnel. When you're in the middle of the tunnel, sometimes you think maybe it's a train coming to hit you too. But I guarantee whatever it is, if it's a light at the end or if it's a train coming to hit you, it's a lot better to be going towards it full speed and working on your solutions than to try to run and hide from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that was, that was the first deal. <laughs> so then what's the progression to where you are today? Cause now you're wholesaling, wholetailing, you know, flipping. How'd you get yeah. from there to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, went back to San Diego for a little while, did some just kind of buy and sell at the time. We didn't really have a mindset of a volume based kind of real estate model. Uh, and Southern California is always, is always pricey. There's plenty of folks out there doing some good volume, but we just didn't really have the mindset for doing it. So kind of did one or two deals, you know, 
one or two at a time kind of thing for a couple of years. Um, decided that uh, eh, decided we just kind of over over San Diego, which is kind of weird. Um, moved to Texas, and so I got married. Moved to Texas. Uh, that's where the back accident comes in that you want to talk about real quick. Did all the stuff that you're not really supposed to do your first year of being married. Moved to a new town. Start a new business. Have a life changing accident, and then like basically start a second new business actually because real estate kind of kind of was fuzzy for a second um and came out here uh went through that it took about a year and a half to kind of settle all that out and then back into real estate buying and selling a lot of stuff so for us we do yeah just a, a lot of volume a lot of wholesales a lot of wholesales a lot of flips um we have some self-storage um we you know do a lot of marketing and try to find a lot of deals awesome so let's talk about the the big the big accident that you went through and that yeah, uh, I, I likes talking about that yeah but you know let's it's talk kind of, about it. i was kind of weird talking about it but uh no it's uh so your like short story is my first wedding anniversary and our first like thanksgiving marriage is spent in the hospital because i fell while rock climbing uh shattered my l1 vertebrae right here in the middle and um you know busted it out like this fortunately we were this is kind of embarrassing. It's nothing sexy. I wasn't out in the middle of Oklahoma climbing, uh, climbing mountains out in the middle of nowhere. It was literally an indoor gym, actually like three or four miles from my house. Something mm -hmm. happened, something malfunctioned on the blade device, fell about 20 feet, you know, smashed all that up, uh, got knocked out, um, went down to the, you know, they took me to the hospital. I was fortunately in surgery inside of about four hours. So they put some metal rods in there, you know, screwed them on real good. Um, the, uh, head neurosurgeon at the time or the head surgeon, like, yeah, head neurosurgeon, I think told my wife, I'm probably never going to walk again, probably never going to feel blow my waist again. Uh, maybe a little bit of feeling and be prepared for like life-changing stuff. I'm like, oh shit, that's kind of sucks. They didn't tell me that at the time because I guess I wasn't in the right headspace to hear it. I think a lot of drugs. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so funny thing was we, um, my insurance. So this is like like seven, eight months after we moved to Dallas. So my insurance was still in California. Um, so they paid to fly me to San Diego. I'm like, oh, you guys are gonna send me back to San Diego where there's a beach? Mm, all right. So they paid to fly me on a private jet back to San Diego, um, stuck me in a pretty good rehab facility, was there for uh, 10, 12, 12 weeks, I think. So whatever the accident was until New Year's Eve. Um, kind of the, you know, the, the short story of like how it worked out, I guess, was the first day they asked you, what are your goals? And I said, my goals were to walk out of this hospital before the end of the year. Uh, and this is kind of kind of ballsy really, because they, like, I couldn't feel anything. I could barely, I, I guess at that point, I could kind of feel a little bit below the injury area, but I couldn't move anything, couldn't do any of that stuff. So fortunately I had some really good therapists that said, you know, let's, we don't know if that's realistic or not, but let's give it a push and see what happens. Um, and, bottom line is did like new year's eve walked out of the hospital with a walker uh out to the car and you know wasn't able to to walk well but it was definitely a lot better than it was 10 weeks before um the real learning experience i guess from that was the really kind of cool thing was we had real estate going like back in texas we had three flips at the time um we obviously had our house we had all that stuff we were married for a year so we were kind of getting established and you know all that um, but what I really learned was when we had a singular focus in the hospital for 10 weeks and the one focus is walk out by the end of the year, or, or I'm, I'm not even sure what the other option was. There really wasn't another option. 
uh, you contemplate all kinds of stuff that doesn't even make sense when you're in a hospital versus when you're like normal and functional. So I didn't know what the other option was except for just to be successful. And the only way to be successful was to work as hard as I could while in the hospital with the therapists and try to make it happen. And if I missed, uh, I don't know. Um, Unfortunately, didn't miss. So I think the routine was, I don't know, so long ago. Um, Physical therapy for an hour and a half a day, uh, um, some other kind of therapy for another hour and a half a day. And then I had to get like a special permission from the doctor to go use the gym equipment after hours because like, well, I'm still here, you know, let's work out. So I did all that. Um, and it, you know, it turned out well, I think you never know exactly what your likelihood of recovery is from an injury like that, but it turned out well. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was, yeah, that's the backstory. It's kind of a long yeah. story, but no, I, I love it. Cause it is, it's, it's, you know, a reflection of who you are and how you've, you know, overcome the obstacles and just, you know, good, good tip for other people to hear too. I know it, you, you said you might be a little awkward telling that, but it's like a lot of people get in that situation and it is, it's game over for them. And like, yeah. I look at you here and it's like, you know, just everything that you're doing when we're at these masterminds, like you would never know this. You would just be like, this guy's got the grit and he's, you know, this is what he's doing. And so it just, that's encouraging to hear and encouraging for the listeners, you know, to hear that, um, you know, something like that coming from a physical, you know, a physical uh, accident like that. So. No, it's, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's uh it's one of those things that I think I wouldn't want to wish on anyone, but taking that mindset and applying it to business and having gone through it, actually really grateful for the experience, which is really kind of ironic and interesting when yeah. you think at the time you think, you know, pretty active guy, a fellow rock climbing, used to surf, used to kayak, bike ride, all the stuff requires legs usually. Right. Um, so you think, man, this is, it's going to change a lot of stuff. So anyway. Awesome. Well, now I appreciate you telling that story here. Now let's change gears a little bit. Since this is the profit first for real estate investors podcast, give us your thoughts on the profit first concepts, the practical of profit first, and then just like your journey on business finances and like, you know, like how did you have to wrap your mind around those? And like, how has that changed in, you know, the years that you've been a part of businesses and owning your own business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of a business process, like mindset wise, isn't it? I think a lot of people go through the, the journey of figuring out the whole thing, right? I mean, you start maybe at the hustle phase and you figure out, okay, if I do everything all by myself, if I do my own whatever your marketing channel is, say you're uh, Ryan Pineda, right? He used to flip couches, I guess. Uh, so say you're flipping couches, you buy a couch here and you sell it here. Now you got to pick it up. You got to drop it off. You got to clean it off. You got to vacuum it. Pretty simple concept, um, but that's a hustle. Same, And a lot of people take that kind of hustle mindset and it does really well for them, I think, in real estate and in business up to a certain level because you can hustle your way to some financial success. Oh, yeah. You can't you can't hustle your way into a business that's operational and repeatable. So for us, um, for us, the the business side of the business is the fun part. For me, having done this many deals, uh, what two hundred and something apartment units, hundreds and hundreds of houses, uh, we built a construction company after I broke my back. That was because we needed some like cash, and that was an easy thing for us to build, which is kind of interesting because I could barely walk. But uh, all throughout the process, it's never been really falling in love with the product itself. Um, to be honest, houses are fun, but all of our flips look exactly the same. Uh, they look kind of like my office here. I mean, hey, if it works, it works. 
so for us, the fun part or the repeatable part is really in developing the process and the optimization on the business side. And that's where really understanding, you know, the, the kind of profit first model about, you know, pay yourself, have an understanding of where your money's coming from and going to have like a holistic long-term approach to what's, what's actually sustainable and then be nimble enough to change when market dynamics shift. Cause you know, sometimes they shift quick, like 2008 was a good example. But, you know, right now they shift, uh, we feel like they shift quick, but realistically they're shifting relatively, relatively fluidly. So um, that makes you, so you're more adaptable. Like if you're, if you're just hustling, if you got one hustle uh, and you just want to, you know, buy, buy a house here, sell a house here, and you do it by one marketing channel, then that's great as long as it lasts. And hopefully that's a diverse enough strategy where it's going to last. But if you want to last as a business, then uh, you know, put the business process into place. And, and the, the ironic part of doing that is a lot of people think they give up something in terms of control, right? Like, oh, I'm giving up control of my lead, my, my pulling a bunch of leads from batch or, or whatever your lead source is and sending it out and getting it, all that stuff done. I'm giving up control of that because I'm not seeing it personally get done. No, you're empowering this guy that works for you to do all that so he can make his life better. I'm giving up control of the acquisition process where I'm going out and meeting sellers and talking to them and discussing what their problems are on the house and how I can fix them, like how I can fix them, right? Like I'm some kind of impressive guy. No, you're not doing that. You're empowering, you're not giving up any of that. You're empowering someone that works for you to go develop themselves into a business and promote the company and promote themselves also in terms of helping someone. So it really, you know, you shift from the, the hustle mindset to the business mindset all the operation stuff, all the, all the numbers um, become so much more important. Everyone talks about, you know, KPIs and building your, uh, knowing all your numbers. A lot of people know all their numbers, but they don't really know what they're supposed to do with them once they got them. Right. So anyway, just, it's a subtle mindset shift, but once you, once you hit it, it's, it's a lot more fun to be honest with you. Yeah. So what, what would you say maybe for you or for other business owners or real estate investors, if you do know your numbers, what do you do with them? You know, like, is that personal to you? Or is there like some steps that you walk yourself through, you know, mentally and you're like, okay, now I can make this decision or, you know, like what is yeah. the thought process from there? Well, I, I definitely think it's important. It's not important to have done every step of the business, but I think it's important to be aware of what, like what each step entails. Mm. Cause a lot of people, like I was kind of just saying, you alluded to is, um, you know, you, you know, your numbers, but you don't know what to do with them. So think of where, where the failure points are in the process. So maybe, okay, we have, we know that maybe this many leads ought to convert to this many deals or contracts ought to convert to this many deals. It's a pretty straightforward process, but then when the outcome doesn't mimic that, like on a repeatable basis, what's the breakdown? Is the breakdown of lead quality? Is the breakdown in the negotiation? Is it the breakdown in something with title? Is it just bad luck? Because sometimes you bump into just, you know, deals that are unclosable. And sometimes you bump into a couple at a time that is like, well, what the hell? Um, so that's why having a solid kind of fundamental understanding of how you built your business from the get-go is so important. So then you can really identify those points of failure along the kind of business process map. Yep. Awesome. No, that's that's great. There's been a lot of, a lot of value here. Uh, what other that this podcast doesn't go very long. So I just got a couple questions here. What other general advice would you give real estate investors, you know, like wherever they might be on their journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, know your market, obviously. Like that's, that's huge. 
it's a hot it's a hot market right now so you put something on the market that sells uh in slower markets the comps you know you gotta have the comps a lot tighter than you have to have them right now now you can be a little sloppy you can you can make mistakes um and you can be rewarded sometimes for the mistakes which is kind of kind of an interesting situation and then I, th I think the biggest one is really fall in love with the process versus the product because a lot of people think you know let's come in we're gonna pick out tile colors and pick out paint colors and pick out all this stuff on the real estate side and i almost take the apartment mindset of flip to flipping where it's like you know all, all the flips look the same um most of the wholetails that we do look pretty much the same too if you have 112 apartment units it's pretty easy they all look the same when you're done but we, we kind of take the same model in our in our flipping business so we really fall in love with the empowering the team empowering the people that work for us the contractors the acquisitions guys the you know vas all that good stuff letting them do their job setting parameters checking on and making sure they're doing it um giving them some leeway when stuff goes wrong in their lives and then just uh, letting them kind of do their job and fulfill their role and not trying to micromanage i guess like it, it really is about building people uh it's just the product happens to be real estate yep no i love that so you provide a lot of value here today, you know, like to the listeners here, how can they provide value back to you? What do you have going on? Do you have a meetup? Do you have, what do you have going on that could potentially, uh, they could bring value to you? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. You can follow our private Facebook group if you want to. It's a uh, platinum real estate investing uncensored. Um, we post our deals and stuff in there. It's a public group. Um, you can find me on reiaf.com actually is our like kind of personal resume page. It, acquisitions funnel is what AF stands for. Everyone always asks. I don't know why they ask. So REI, acquisitions funnel, right? Um, or tjkozen.com. They both go to the same spot. Uh, if you want to see some of our projects, you can follow our YouTube page. We walk through a lot of houses and just talk about how we're doing them and what we're doing. And then if you're in the kind of North Texas region, if you want to uh, come by the office and join one of our meetups sometime, stop on by. We hold them maybe quarterly. Um, and, we part, and also we partner a lot. So we help a lot of folks with dispo on their deals, help a lot of new investors kind of get going if they don't know how to really, well, I mean, if you're doing everything right, you don't know what you're doing wrong if you don't know what you're doing wrong. So we help walk them through a deal and sometimes we'll JV with them on the deal. Sometimes we'll, we'll buy their deals. So we're always happy to do that kind of thing. Awesome. Well, that, that is great. So there you go. You've got a couple of different areas there. We'll make, to, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. Uh, TJ, it was great having you on today. Very inspirational with the, your story, your background, and what you're doing now in real estate and you know the mindset around the finances and building a business. Fall in love with the process, not the product. That's great Absolutely. advice as well, too. So I love that. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much. Thanks. thanks for having me, David. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you found this episode valuable, could you do me a quick favor? Can you give us an honest rating within iTunes? And be honest, you could say whether you liked it or not. And obviously with iTunes, the more reviews and ratings we have, the better it is for other people that are searching for Profit First and a podcast. So we'd love to be ranked on there. And that's thanks to your help. So we would really appreciate that if you would like to go give us a rating. Also, if you're looking to connect with us further, I would highly recommend checking out our Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investors, and that's literally what it's called. So you can type in Profit First for Real Estate Investors, and you'll be able to find <laughs> you'll be able to find our Facebook group right there. So come join active real estate investors who are supporting each other and growing their businesses and profits together. That's what that group is all about. The link should be in the description below. 
And if you're interested in working with us and implementing profit first in your real estate business, we offer coaching and guidance. So if you want to work with someone who is actually profit first certified and who works right now currently with real estate businesses, you can actually go start your application process by going to simplecfosolutions.com forward slash apply or just go right to simplecfosolutions.com and there's an apply button right on there if you want to actually start your profit first journey with someone who can actually walk you through those step by step and help you know and grow your cash flow. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Profit First REI podcast. See you next episode.